Welcome to Context with Advanced Design. Context is a podcast space where laid-back conversations on design, life, and everything in between happen. In this show, we interview experts in our field, but also students, educators, and anyone who's part of the industrial design family. Thank you for tuning in, and here's today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Context with Advanced Design. I'm Hector Silva, and today we are joined by my friend Spencer Nugent. Spencer, thank you so much for being on our podcast. What's up, brother? What's going on? Good to be back. It's been a minute. Yes, sir. Yeah, we uh, are very excited. Um, you know, we started a new season of Context uh, quite a while ago, and so we're very excited to bring people on and discuss some cool things that we're working on. And um, elephant in the room is that uh, Advanced Design started a online design school. Um, yeah, so for those who don't know, off, uh, Advanced Design started this uh, initiative called Offsite. And Offsite is a 12-week online pilot program looking to disrupt design education, which is something that Spencer and I have talked about for a long time. Um, and I think we have done that in our own different ways. You know, Spencer started Sketch a Day. Um, you know, I did a lot of other things through Advanced Design initiatives. So I think it was all building up to eventually some type of of design schooling or programming, and here we are. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if people know how we met, but we actually met when I came to Chicago for a workshop, and uh, I forgot, I think it was uh, Stephen Melamed at uh, UIC invited me out, and you were there. I met Rotimi, Salola, uh, uh, sorry, I'm terrible with names. Oh, Hudson Rio, a bunch of other people. <clears throat> um, so yeah, we go way back, so I appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk about education, something that, like you said, I've been passionate about for years and years, as well as, um, seems like you as well, um, going from student, educator, mentor, and uh, just all around force in design education. It's really, really cool to see that. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited for the opportunity to talk about it and um, also participate and teach and really just shake things up. I think, if anything, the pandemic, um, if you guys aren't aware the world is ending, just kidding. Um, <laughs> the pandemic of anything has kind of been an existential magnifying glass for society in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, as we've Hector and I have been discussing education in general, um, things that are missing opportunities, it just felt like the right time to make a move. So, um, all credit due to you, Hector, we'll talk about what we're doing, but um, I think I think now is the time to to shake things up for sure. Yeah, um, it's scary, man. It's scary. Like you know, you the, you know, talk is cheap and easy, you know. And then when you start implementing, yeah, we've been talking for a while. <laughs> it's uh, and also I think you know it's all about timing. You know, it's it's hard to we can say that we we're gonna start our own school, but that sounds really expensive because when you think of school, you think of a building and you think of people and you think of all this overhead. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I missed out on this. So we, we started talking about, okay, how can we, you know, or you invited me really to be a part of this, but, um, start something that, that would be a school. Yeah. And immediately my mind went to, okay, well, we got to think about facilities and infrastructure and all these things. But, um, I think if anything, the pandemic just really thrust us into this space where, um, 
virtual distant uh, experiences have become the norm, right? Things are changing. I take a look at the, the restaurant industry and how much that has changed. You know, I have friends who, who have restaurants who've had to close those restaurants or just completely change their, their approach. So where I'm going with this is I think with education, there's just a tremendous opportunity to shake things up. Um, just because something's been the way it has, doesn't mean it has to be that way. And uh, I think now people are really getting creative with how we educate, present, um, interact with each other. And like I mentioned, the restaurant industry, how we serve people. Um, I don't want to go off too much on a tangent there, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of things are changing really fast. So um, that's kind of where, where my mind went first is how do we get a building? How do, you know, am I going to have to move to Chicago? Like where, where is this thing going to be based? Um, for those who don't know, I'm in Salt Lake city, Utah. And I, I like it here, you know, um, even though I'm probably the only black person here, just kidding. But it, it that's, that's where my mind went initially. It's like, how do we, yeah. create a traditional school. So it's been really cool to be a part of this creative process that I think as designers, and this was the obvious miss on my part, I didn't really take the opportunity to say, hey, let's look at the, the fundamental parts of the educational experience and see how that translates into today's context, into today's world, and how do we leverage this new reality into being a, a wonderful educational experience for people. Yeah, and um, to, piggyback, to piggyback off what you're saying, um, you're going to move to Chicago eventually. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Bring you to Chicago. Because I think the end goal is to one day also have a physical school. I don't know when down the road. But yeah, this is definitely more doable. Um, because whenever whenever you have a, an idea and you're ambitious and you're innovative, it's scary to, to, to take those risks. So we're here. We have Offsite. It just launched last. It launched this past week on August fourth. A little bit of insights on Offsite is it's twelve weeks. Uh, we're going to be starting our first cohort of students in the middle of September. Fifty students and six courses being taught by six professional designers. So we're very psyched about it. And you're one of our educators. Um, and I'm very proud to say the word educator. I think we're also not only are we redefining you know, what is design education, but also redefining roles and redefining just how the whole system works from the ground up. So really psyched about that. The course that you'll be teaching is design discourse. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we kind of started out this discussion talking about, you know, our histories in education a little bit. I've, I've traditionally been known as the sketch guy and you know, took an opportunity back in 2008 when I started ID Sketching and Sketch Day to really lean into visual communication education. But at the same time, I've had a career um, working for a variety of companies, ran my own business, um, had a design firm, and now being an independent creator, and I'll add educator to that, as I've kind of been trying to suss out my mission, my purpose, my passion in life and education aligns very neatly with that. So it's not outside the realm of, of what I do. And I'm really excited to show and uh, share a bit of what I've learned in my travels. Um, you know, running a business is no small thing. Um, having to figure out your own marketing, having to 
work with different disciplines in a corporate setting, defend your, your ideas, form a point of view. All of those things are elements that will be in, in my course um, that is design discourse and really just taking head on difficult topics. As a designer, it's not just about what, I'm gonna use some corporate lingo here, what we call hard skills, <laughs> you know, sketching, CAD, uh, research even, uh, presentation, but part of being a great designer really is about building common ground with others. Um, it's about learning how to speak in a language, context, and setting that builds bridges, builds relationships, and creates opportunities for you to, for lack of a better word, win. Um, you know, when I was a student, I, I kind of approached design with this mindset or mentality that I was going to change the world. You know, I was going to always be the best and do the best things. Um, and that, and, and that was, that was a good propellant, but it's really not enough to get you across that finish line. So being able to communicate, empathize, uh, understand and articulate your point is I think critical to being a good designer and oft times, not always, but at least in my educational experience, it wasn't something that I was aware of until I was thrust into the real world. And at that point, you're, you're trying to drink from a fire hose as a new graduate. You're trying to learn what it means to be a professional designer. You're trying to apply those skill sets that you learned in college. You're trying to uh, find your own voice. You're trying to know how to take critique and give critique in a professional setting. These are all things that you, you have to kind of do simultaneously. And I kind of wish I had an idea before I graduated what that would be like. So to me, this is an opportunity to expose uh, students. And so far, I think the, the students will range in skill, you know, whether it's, hey, we haven't graduated yet, or it might be young professionals, but an opportunity opportunity for all participants to hone those skills and those skill sets to uh, increase your chances for success as a designer. Absolutely. And I think your course is extremely important because honestly, this type of content and information isn't offered in a traditional academic setting like myself going through school as a student, I really never learned the art of articulation or the art of, of really talking about an object uh, in a very non-biased way. Um, as an educator, I also wasn't, I don't think the schools that I worked at offered or even help or train students to really understand that object and defend it in a very, you know, unbiased way. So, yeah, and, there, and there's a couple dimensions to this. It's like, certainly as a student, you you kind of have a nugget or germ of <laughs> developing your own point of view. You might have things that you like or dislike, but in terms of articulating it in a way that it, where you package your, your design sensibility and you can express that to someone and have them understand it, that's that's a skill that took me years to develop because... A lot of times as a young designer, you can be really passionate about something like, and you know, deep down inside it's right, whatever that means or looks like to you, whether it's right for the consumer or you just have a gut feeling or whatever, but that's not enough to cut it 
in the real world. You can't go into a meeting and say, well, it's right. You guys just have to accept it. <laughs> like that doesn't fly. You have to be able to form, create and express a clear point of view rationale that makes sense. Um, or it might be resolving conflict or discussing tough issues. I've had so many experiences in a corporate setting where, and just as I was learning and, you know, being a fiery young designer saying, no, it has to be this way. And realizing that that won't cut it, just learning how to uh, adapt, how to incorporate language, lingo, uh, and expressions that, that can bridge that gap is just, is just absolutely critical. So um, something I absolutely wish I had as a student for sure. So you're saying that when the PlayStation 5 dropped, <laughs> and as much as I am not a fan of the aesthetics, that is not enough for me to sell someone on my opinion. No, absolutely not. I mean, I don't like it. I don't love it. Um, I don't even understand it, but I think being able to take a look at it and try and suss that out is, is an important skill. And it's almost a bit like, and this is just one component of the course that I'm hoping to achieve is helping students um, be able to objectively assess a design, but also empathize with the designers and try and understand it's, it's kind of like reverse engineering when you take a product or thing apart and you realize, Oh, there's a screw here. There's a boss here. There's, this was ultrasonically welded or here's some capped on tape for some reason. And you, you kind of take a look at the thing, dissect it, and then you're able to formulate and understand, Oh, well, and I'm, I'm talking in the context of consumer electronics because that's the lion's share of my experience is, Oh, we couldn't put the antenna here because it would have caused interference or, Oh, the plastic had to be, this thickness in this part because of this mechanical constraint. And that allows, I think, a bit of room as a designer to empathize with, say, someone of a different discipline, like an engineer, just in that context. But when you're looking at a design, I think one of the things I tended to do as a younger designer was just emotionally react to something without being able to empathize, um, or as I like to put it, seek to understand before being understood. So taking a look at something like the PlayStation 5, it's interesting you mentioned that because I did do a live stream on the PlayStation 5. Yep. Um, if you guys want to check that out, it's available on my YouTube. But just an example of an exercise that allows you to just kind of check yourself. Um, whenever I encounter a design that challenges my sensibilities aesthetically or perceptually in any way, I, I try to ask myself, okay, wh why am I feeling this way? I remember when the Cybertruck came out, I think I texted you that night, Hector, and I was laughing and just dying. I was like, what is this? <laughs> and that was my first reaction. And then as I sat with it and, you know, opinions vary on this. Uh, we have very close and dear friends who absolutely hate it. And we have some that love it. But as I was able to kind of sit with it and understand what they're doing, it helped me respect the design. And I've developed the ability to respect something without liking it. Um, I do happen to like the Cybertruck, but I can look at a design and say, okay, I respect what they're doing and I understand it. Some things make no sense to me, yeah. but, and you know, I'll get in, I'll get more into that in the course itself. But I think it's important to, like I said, check yourself, take a step back, breathe, right. analyze something in a, in a matter of fact way 
so that you can appreciate it for what it is or at least bolster your opinion if you disagree with with the approach how deep is this type of psychology because when you look at a playstation or you look at a cyber truck i've heard some people say oh my god the cyber truck is made for the end of the world it's made by it's made by bros for bros and it, it almost takes a personal stance and it has nothing to do with design and i'm always confused when people especially in design are talking in this manner and they get really personal because they just really don't like the design yeah um that's a that's, that's a really good question i think yeah I think one of one of the things I've learned over the years as a designer is it's not about me. It's never about me. And if a designer feels that it's about them, it's likely that you're taking the approach of an artist and not so much a designer. Design is really a service. It's a service for other people. And it's not meant to, to be uh, self-gratifying in the sense, or congratulatory rather, in the sense that, you know, you're designing something for yourself. You can do that if you're, trying to be expressive, but then design becomes more artistic in the sense that it's emotive and expressive of whatever quality or ideal you're trying to, to uh, tap into. So in the case of the Cybertruck, I would hope, and again, I wasn't on the team, I don't know, but I would hope that there was some allowance affordance given to understanding their consumer, taking a look at the market and seeing an opportunity. I think uh, I, I think it was you. I'm not sure, but there was a a photo or image, and maybe we can put this in show notes if we can find it. But an image of uh, a series of pickup trucks, and looking at the silhouettes of pickup trucks and how similar they have been over the years across brands. And it's not that a pickup truck silhouette is is inherently beneficial to the function of the thing as the silhouette of a wheel is critical <laughs> to the function of that wheel, right? It's not that it has to be that way. It's a vehicle. I'm not even going to say a four-wheeled vehicle. It's a it's a it's an object capable of movement that carries cargo but also offers the opportunity to, to carry people and transport those things. So if you look at a design in those sen- in that sense, then I think it creates a broader understanding for what it could be. And it helps, I think, the designer challenge convention. It helps you challenge norms. And when you see it in that light, you go, or I can go, oh, okay, I understand this. It's It's certainly meeting the functional need of what a pickup truck is fundamentally, even though it challenges aesthetically what's expected. Mm. And it may not appeal to me personally as a designer. It may challenge my point of view, but, and again, this is my hope because I can't verify this, but granting some uh, empathy and compassion to the design team who worked, pardon me, worked on this, I can say, okay, I understand what you're doing. I understand that it meets those functional requirements. It challenges aesthetics. And the fact that we're even fucking talking about it right now means that there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. I want a cyber truck. <laughs> there was a, there was a quote I shared actually with you. I, I was in a workshop recently and this quote was shared when you make something, no one hates, no one loves it. And that just hit me so powerfully as I thought about different designs like 
you know, because <laughs> we've had these conversations, the Yeezy aesthetic is very challenging for me. Yep. Very challenging. And that's my way of saying, I don't necessarily like it or love it, but I understand what they're trying to do. It's, you know, it's, it's something that looks like it fell out of, felt came from outer space <laughs> and we have it here on earth and we've been gifted this artifact. Yeah. And you have a choice to make. You can say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to wear these. Or you can say, no way, mm-hmm. this is not aligned with my sensibilities, but um, understanding for what it is, is, I think is, is important. Yeah. I feel like every year there's one product that drops that just makes everyone insane. Um, and then there's always a product that drops that, that they're, it looks like they're trying to disrupt and then they come really short. Like, I don't know. Like, what are you, what are your thoughts on the Samsung galaxy fold? Oh goodness. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> we're turning this into a critique and review show, but I think, I think it's important um, mm-hmm. as a, a lead into the class that we have these, these tough discussions. So looking at something like the Galaxy Fold, and I, didn't, I actually didn't watch the latest keynote, particularly because the first uh, expression of that product left me asking a few questions. So if I think of it as a design object more so than an art object, meaning art, art doesn't necessarily take consideration for uh, the use of the object, but it's meant to uh, challenge ideas, be provocative to me, um, and express some idea. I, th- I think it, it felt more like this thing isn't really rooted in a uh, well thought out mindset or, or coming from a place of, of empathy necessarily. It feels like this product, because the use cases are not apparent are not clearly apparent to me or articulated and the value is not necessarily there. It makes me wonder you know, why <laughs> that's the question in my head. Why, why do I need to fold this thing? And Maybe the answer is there. I just don't think the answer is good enough yet. It's like, why do I need to fold this phone? So the immediate benefits to me at least would be uh, reduction in size. Okay. So phones have, I think, based on consumer research, gotten very large because there there is a benefit to the productivity you gain when you have a larger screen, for example, or being able to you know, I don't even have a TV in my main living space. You've been to my house. I don't have TVs in my main living spaces. My TV essentially is my phone or my, my iPad. And so I think one of the drivers for the increases in size is entertainment. Um, it might be productivity. Multitasking on a small device still feels weird to me just because it's so easy to switch context, but that's a whole other, <laughs> a whole other conversation. So I, I, long story short, I don't see the immediate benefit of being able to fold this thing besides, Oh, that's hella cool. And Oh, that's hella cool is not a good enough reason to, to justify right. doing something so actually risky, mechanically speaking, again, based on what I know in my experience in consumer electronics, working with electrical mechanical engineers, quality engineers, there's a lot of risk and what is the reward? That's the question. So 
in terms of reliability. Maybe they've completely nailed it. Maybe they figured it out. Cool. Um, and it's, it's super reliable. I'm not convinced based on the reviews of the previous unit. We'll, you know, we'll have to see how the reviews come in uh, of this, this latest iteration of the fold. Um, and then as far as consumer perception, I'm not really sure if they will completely grok and understand the benefit there. I'm really excited for this course because just sitting here, even talking to you and even having uh, discussions in the past um, with you about uh, looking at objects and looking at designs without being biased, uh, they're really hard. It's really hard. I'm not a particularly a big fan of Samsung. And, you know, I think your course uh, can really, I think your course can really help me articulate a Samsung object without being, uh, you know, biased. Um, and even with the PlayStation and other objects that I might not like. So I think this course is really going to make people uncomfortable. Um, and they'll have to really step out of their comfort zone to really understand and be able to really talk about something uh, in a very creative and, and intelligent way. So I'm really excited for this course. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that, and that's, that's specific to the aesthetics, functionality, and use of a product. I mean, there's also broader issues. Um, like I mentioned initially, how do you form a point of view as a designer, mm -hmm. right? As you're either a young professional or coming out of school, which I, I think we're kind of honing in on kind of a, a core group of, of students here <clears throat> that are participating, but how do you form your point of view and how do you support that and defend that if possible in a conversation? That's, that's definitely an important component. Like I said, I've had several experiences professionally where I've been challenged and in school, you may not be challenged in the same ways that you are professionally. And um, whether you like it or not, design is still not regarded in a majority of companies as an essential uh, functional or, or an essential functional vertical or group in a company, and oftentimes you're going to find yourself having to really justify why your job is essential. Not only why your your design is good, but why do you need to be here? Why why is your opinion valid? Right? Yeah. So those are tough tough discussions, and then there's broader cultural issues to discuss. You know, the the pandemic, like I said, has has really magnified, I think, some of the weak underpinnings of society as a whole. And it's just 2020 has been crazy. I know there's memes flying around about 2020 this and that. But I was telling a friend yesterday, I, I have I can't recall a year in which so much has happened and changed so much so quickly. And, you know, here we're we're in a time where we're fighting an invisible enemy, so to speak, that's unconscious, unrelenting, and unforgiving. We, due to systematic racism in the country, whether you agree with that or not, um, there's tensions that have bubbled over into uh, protests. And these protests have highlighted uh, the struggles of many. And those issues are starting to become more apparent to people. So, you know, even topics like how does how does race play into race and bias and the history that we've we've been taught? How does that factor into our perceptions of design, good design, and so forth? 
Um, but those are things we we plan on discussing and talking about and working through. And I'm not going to say there's a right answer in in my class. It's can you articulate your point and do it in a way that builds bridges and closes those gaps on communication with people that you may not agree with? Um, I might have to pay tuition to take your course because that... <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, you're, this is, this is great. You know, you're, we're planning on interviewing the, the other educators, but we're off to, you know, like I, I'm super, I'm just super excited, man. I, I haven't been able to really share my excitement, um, about the school. Um, the only person that has seen me really get really excited is, is, you know, my, my partner Lupe. So super psyched to, to for everyone else who's listening on the this podcast to bring the other educators on board and really dive deep into their courses um, so that you can see the value that you're getting um, and the things that we're trying to do. Um, so very excited about it. Yeah, I think I think most great things in my in my experience in this world tend to come from someone being able to ask the question why. <laughs> why does college have to be the way it is? Why does design education have to be the way it is? Why? And, and not only asking why, but then offering an alternative that is valuable and better. And I think, and I'm super excited too. I get goosebumps and chills even thinking about it. It's going to be awesome. We have an opportunity here to really just shake things up and challenge some norms. And for a designer, like that's what we do. We challenge norms, we challenge expectations, we shake things up, we take systems, look at those parts and then challenge and ask, why does it have to be this way? You know, we're the ones who should be asking the quote unquote stupid questions and really just challenging those norms. So I'm, I'm really excited for the opportunity. As a designer, the, the other component of this um, that I do want to touch on for my course uh, offering is just, just a, a, a little bit of a consideration or reframing of history and just understanding where our points of view uh, with regards to design come from. I, I had the opportunity to be a part of some webinars, discussions, you hosted one with advanced design that was was awesome as well that talked about racial issues within design and one of the the glaring uh, or rather missed opportunities for me is a, a more diverse and multicultural view of what is good design and what is what is what is considered to be worthwhile design and Asking a question, you know, why was it so white-centric? Um, certainly there are, or there were cultural issues at play um, at the time, but we've, we've, as a profession, I think, taken this ideal and not really challenged it over time. Certainly there are designers around the world doing great work, but I will tell you that I hardly ever see them. I hardly ever am aware of them. And I don't know if that's just a result of algorithmic uh, bias or if it's just the bias that's inherent to design itself, um, that the Anglo-centric, Eurocentric mindset of what good design is, is really the ideal. Should it be? I don't know. I don't know. 
So that's something uh, I, I hope to challenge and work through in the course and encourage students to you know, really dig deep and think about that. There's, and that, that's only one example of bias. There's also gender bias, you know, challenging your own perceptions um, of, of design. I, I loved my experience at Astro Studios when I came out of school. I loved it. It, it really uh, helped me push my skills and abilities, but there were times where the entire design team was male, for example. That's changed to the credit of the team and the company, but that was only a decade ago. <laughs> you know, I, I was just in it, in the sauce of, of hyper-masculinity and we did awesome stuff, but it wasn't necessarily the most inclusive at the time. And it certainly filled a niche. And again, this is no <laughs> direct criticism of Astro Studios. I loved working there and love, love the team and the people and we're, we're a big family and things have, have gotten better. But I can think of other experiences. The last company I worked at was an all-male team for the most part, or you may have one female voice. Um, and so it was just super important to research, empathize, and um, you know, challenge our own, uh, our own aesthetics, our own mindsets, our own perceptions as we're working. So anyhow, I digress, but there, there's a lot of opportunity things to dig in. Like I said, figuring out your point of view, discussing those tough issues, um, learning how to critique your own work, other people's work from an objective point of view, creating frameworks around that, and really just challenging what we've been taught and asking the question, is this, is this really the best? Well, that is fantastic. Um, we are really excited um, to really just be a part of this and change it together, you know. I want to make sure that when people are talking about offsite, that people are are talking about a team, not not Hector. Because I, I I definitely um this is definitely a huge team effort. A lot of hard work has been poured into this. Um and I want to make sure that everyone is identified as as you know, we're all part of the glue that that keeps us together. So yeah, I, w I will say when you first, and I'm talking way back, first approached me with the idea of, of a school or some sort of educational initiative, I was like, who are you, you know, who, who's going to be on board with this? Like, I'm on board, but who else? And it's been really cool to just see depth of talent and breadth. There's people I didn't even know personally that I've, I've met now and they're like super talented in, in their realms and spheres. And I'm actually super happy I'm not teaching the sketching class, but I did want to ask you, what was your thought process there? <laughs> because like I said, I'm on the internet, at least I'm the sketch guy. So one of the questions I had for you sure. was why design discourse or what, what was your thinking there? Because I know that you are more than just sketching. I've known you for years. We've met, we've, I mean, I've stayed at your house. I feel like we have this really close relationship that I, I could understand that you're more than, than just a person that sketches. You're a very intelligent designer and I wanted to give you the platform and the opportunity to really showcase that. You already have the sketch stuff with your own channel um, and we didn't want to just kind of be redundant with that. We want, we, we wanted, because I know when the whole COVID stuff started and I transitioned to online teaching, I invited you, you were my first speaker, like a guest speaker for my class. And you talked about prototyping and the things you were talking about, my students were like, Oh my God. Like, you know, we know Spencer as this person who can sketch, 
you went in, you showed prototyping, you talked about process and you went really deep and these students were in awe. And I was like, you know, and I, I knew that you, you had, you know, um, you, you're more than just someone that sketches. Right. And, and I know a lot of people that, that like, I love to sketch too. And, and I hope that someone doesn't hold me to like, Oh, that he's like a, you know, sketch monkey or whatever, a CAD guy or whatever. Um, and if you are that, then you are that. And if you're that and more then that's awesome too. And, uh, but I feel like this course, I think you, you're someone that, uh, can, I love your, your whole like kind of mantra, seek to understand before being understood. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that is a really awesome, like whenever you send me this, these messages, I'm, I'm always like, you know, we're very emotional people. We're, we're flawed. We're humans. And we're immediately like, I love Apple and therefore forever I am being <laughs> Apple. And therefore that means that I somehow hate Samsung and it shouldn't be that way. It should really be like, all right, it's not about me step back a little bit and really understand how this came to be and why. Um, and I think that has really made my life a hundred times easier. And I'm really psyched for the students to really learn from you. So I will say, I don't think I've encountered a Samsung design that I actually love or enjoy. So there's that um, <laughs> for what it's worth, but I try my best to understand. I mean, I have some Samsung appliances, but that's it. And I really do appreciate the opportunity to, uh, again, show a different side of what I do and just tap into the almost two decades of experience that I've had as a professional designer, creator, and educator. So um, appreciate this opportunity and I'm really looking forward to it. I think the students who are part of this initial adventure experience, you know, we're, we're all in this together and I think I think they're going to have a fantastic time. The, like I said, the, the talent, the breadth and depth of talent that's uh, signed up to be a part of this initiative is just impressive. I mean, it's insane. And I won't go into details of who I'll, I'll leave that for uh, future episodes when, when uh, you do have those guests on and they can talk about their experiences and you guys will, will be introduced to them, but I'm really excited for the opportunity. So thank you. And um, it's going to be awesome. Absolutely. And, uh, this is just the beginning. So thank you, Spencer, for, uh, joining us on context today. Um, I'm sure we will bring you back more, um, as, uh, as we grow and as we learn about the things that we're doing and the things that you're doing. Thank you so much for those who are listening. Any last words? Um, I would just say continue to challenge and, and be ready for change. The world is just in flux right now. There are so many things that I assumed would always be the way they are, but sometimes you have to close a door to open a window. And I didn't come up with that. That was Tyler, the creator, but I do, right. I do love that quote. Sometimes you got to say goodbye to certain things, reinvent yourself. Um, I believe we, we chatted recently, Hector, and I said, if you're not, if you're not evolving, you're dying. So if you're not constantly changing and as a designer and seeking ways to either expand your skill set, understanding, approach, uh, methodologies, whatever it is, then you're, you're floundering, you're dying. So um, just be aware, keep your eyes open and be ready for a lot of change. It's going to be an exciting ride. Absolutely. And uh, we have one life. What are you waiting for? So right. life short. 
Make it yep. count. All right, then. Thank you so much. And I'm sure we will see everyone very soon. Take care. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. Let's continue this conversation on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Discord. You can find us at Context with Advanced Design on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Context is produced by Advanced Design with editing and production by Betuel Benitez and music by Shaide from Pixabay.